Now, that's not something I can sell in corporate, but if you then start to connect with people on that level, because the other thing was a little bit corporate-like, helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. But all I want to do is help you so you don't have to work as hard, get out of here a few hours sooner, so you can be able to go to that baseball game, enjoy your grandkids or something. That really is the messaging that you need to bring it down to in order to be able to move things forward. Is that in your messaging anywhere? What you just, what, what you just said, that, that almost those exact phrase, so all ding, I want to really ding, do. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. It is probably comes out of my mouth all the time. It is probably not anywhere in my copy, on my bio, <laughs> on my website yeah. or anything like that. Um, it just comes out of my mouth. You hit on something there. Well, well, you said <laughs> you wanted to, to noodle around a little bit with your, your brand and your offer. Martians landed, yes. wearing Prada suits, yes. drinking Henry's seltzer, yes. chewing juicy fruit. Yes, and your branding here. Yes, brand. Your message here. Yes, and a verse about. Yes, your product here. Yes, I'm Hirsch Redman. Yes, and I'm a message therapist. Yes, and I have a podcast. Yes, brand. That's right. That's it. Yes, we'll help you fix the world. Yes, or your bottom line. All right. Your bottom line. Get it. I get it. Welcome to the Yes Brand Podcast. Joining us today is Deb Cavello, the drop-in CEO, which is obviously perfect for Yes Brand because a lot of our guests are CEOs, founders, business owners who drop in and talk to me. But Deb has a unique take on being a drop-in CEO, and it's not just her mind, you know, we're picking her brain on on advice because she knows all about CEOs and she knows all about brand building. We're actually going to dissect her own brand a little bit because anyone who comes on the show has to be open to the uh, exploration of their brand and finding out what we can learn from that. So, Deb, welcome to Yes Brand. Uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. I think I'm ready to be unpacked, dissected. I'm ready to go with it. But again, hopefully we can find something useful for me to elevate my brand. <laughs> I'm sure we will. And assuming that you could share one message about what you do with our audience, what would that, what would that message be? So thank you again for that question. This is a long time in the making. It took a while to distill it, but honestly, if I had to think about who do I serve and what problem do I solve, it's helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. Simple, and there's a lot of meaning behind it. I mean, C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow, you know, I struggled a lot with trying to say, hey, I can help both of them, whether it's with a business challenge or a career challenge. But when I was able to say, you know what, both demographics are so meaningful to me and I can serve both. So again, they may be a tremendously smart, very talented, realize such success. But the brand stands for those people that get to a point of struggle. So again, helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their careers with confidence is the work that I love to do. Okay, now how did this become your passion? <laughs> you want to go there? 
Honestly, yes. it came from a lot of struggle. I mean, obviously, I have been a C-suite leader ascending the corporate ladder, getting that dream job, and oh my, I would say, struggling on my own. I didn't have a mentor. I had good managers that told me what to do. Yes, they sent me out for training because I was a high potential. But honestly, there was nobody sitting on my shoulder, nobody looking out for me. Yes, I ascended to that great big corporate role, um, but I struggled a lot. And I, through my career, I have gained a few experiences about leadership development, how to navigate major business challenges. I just want to go out there and help those so they don't have to struggle as much. And sometimes they need an outside perspective, that drop-in CEO that will partner with them, assess the situation, provide different insight, and not just tell them what to do, but partner with them. But the thing that makes my brand a little bit different is I often find sometimes the roles in the company outgrow the individual capability. And so not only do I help those C-suite leaders with the business challenge, it's also seeing the talent of the people and maybe we need to elevate their capability as well. So my passion work is also dedicated to elevating people so that they gain their confidence and they can leave an impact on the businesses as well. So that's the brand and I can go deeper, but it's not with a lot of, without a lot of tears, psychological help from my husband to navigate those challenges. I just don't want people to struggle as much. I'm here to help. And an interesting thing that comes to mind as you describe it, because you no doubt are, your clients are often in the corporate structure, right? A part of an infrastructure yes. that you were in and decided you wanted to do something different so you stepped outside the corporate uh you know the c-suite you stepped outside and figured you could just drop in whenever you want whenever i want to be a, a ceo i can kind of drop in and be be a co-ceo to people who are uh who are struggling or need some help or um you know some guidance or are pre preparing for the next level but you're no longer part of that that kind of construct, right? And that is true. I mean, I uh, had the opportunity to part ways. That's a politically correct way of saying that. But it was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. But honestly, I become whatever that C-suite leader needs me to be, whether it's a CEO or a chief operations officer. It's not that I drop in and take the reins and push them aside. It's not a threatening role. But Sometimes a CEO needs somebody to just be that partner, be whatever it is they need to be their voice and solve that particular business issue. I just love it because it is high value work. It is high relationship based that sometimes you don't get in a corporate environment. Sometimes we're just biding our time. We have um, superficial relationships because we have to engage with each other. But by being on the outside and coming in and dropping in and helping these C-suite leaders, I have that external perspective. I have to build a deep relationship. I have to know what they're really thinking and feeling and maybe come up with a different solution that they couldn't see for themselves. I love those relationships. I don't just give them a checklist of what needs to do. I become part of their organization and help them to the next level. So that's the brand. That's the drop-in CEO brand. Well, it's very clear. You, you definitely don't need help um, figuring out your brand. And I think that's a really, that's really good for our listeners because, you know, it, it, it's uncommon for 
a guest to come on the show and say, I have this amazing brand. I just don't know what, I don't know what it is. That, you know, the brand storytelling, a lot of people who are not in the brand storytelling side, which is what I, where I come from, figure that um, a CEO comes in and has, is kind of lost. It isn't, it isn't that it's lost. I think it's that it's just hard. I think it just isn't, it just is tough to steer a brand. It's tough to market a brand. But tell me who brings you in. So it's really interesting how it happens. And one of the things that's also part of the brand is, is when you bring me in. <laughs> I would love it when things right. are just going fine and they just want to enhance their capability, but they will right. bring me in at a time of chaos. And I define chaos as a time where they're just living to survive another day. And while they're not losing business, um, they're struggling terribly or crisis. They're about to lose business or be excluded from bidding on some kind of work or et cetera. Unfortunately, sometimes C-suite leaders wait too long, but it is usually by referral. Uh, sometimes a chief sales or revenue officer might say, you know, we're getting this sales funnel filled here. We're going to have more work than we can imagine, but gosh darn it, that operations can't deliver. They can't keep up. They have the same old methods. They're starting to struggle. Service is failing. That's an early indication of chaos, but I have also been brought in again by referral just because I have that experience. I have always in the last 10 years of my career, been dropped into a situation, a merger and an acquisition, a crumbling organization through those referrals. I have a unique ability just to go in and be calm. And if you listen to my voice, it is calming. Despite all the chaos, I can at least listen to people, assemble what they're saying and and come forward with some rational thing. I think this is the problem and what we need to do next. It's because I connect so well with all the noise, the situation, the problems, and piece it together to say this is the direction I think we need to go in and be able to move people forward. So it is usually referrals, <laughs> people that know my work that usually bring me in. Uh, so I love connecting with people. <laughs> well, you, you, your voice is... It, I, what I was thinking is I would like to engage you to possibly record some, uh, some meditation recitals. You know, I don't know if you meditate, but, um, but I use the Headspace app. And sometimes when I'm trying to go to sleep, I'll play these various sleep casts, they call them. They call them sleep casts. And uh, one of my favorites is done by John Legend. But there are a bunch of uh, uh, sleep casts. But sometimes I don't like the voice, and I'm like, "Well, that's not that's not going to work." I'll start to play it because it's a setting that's wonderful, that feels right for me, and, and I'll listen to the voice. It's just not the right voice. If I if I could put switch Deb Cavallo to 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 be the uh, voice of the of the, of any sleep cast I choose, that would be a, a wonderful sideline for you, I think, and also a great a great. Uh, soothing and calming and meditating aid for, for many others. So this is the beauty of you and I coming together. We just happen to have an audience listening to all of this. Yes, I have had some time to identify what the brand is. And you still haven't asked me, how did I come up with the drop-in CEO? That was an interesting story. But the thing okay. about how then to best leverage and monetize it, because that has been the challenge for me. And just so you know, you're the second person that said you might want to think about a CEO-guided 
meditation. So you never know. We may talk about that one. <laughs> yeah. You know what? And this is what we do on the show. We have this kind of fun because, you know, none of it. I hate more than anything staring at a blank sheet of paper. That's not, you know, I, I used to think, oh, I can make up stories from anything. And I can. I can sit down and make up a story that's entertaining. But does it really help people? Mm -hmm. Like you were just talking about. Does it really serve anyone? And so as I evolved this Yes Brand concept, it was like, well, this is what I want. I want to have an exchange with people so they can actually say something, which is where it comes from, the yes and improv thing. They can put their offer, so mm -hmm. to speak, out. And I can accept it and build on it. So, um, so for example, we've, we've hit on this, this idea of guided meditation. And I could see where, first of all, there's some humor in the fact that uh, a, a CEO who can put you to sleep for the right reasons or at the right time <laughs> is kind of is kind of fun, right? But tell me, tell me the origin of uh, of Drop in CEO as a as a name as a as a brand name. <laughs> well, before we go there, the mere thought of my voice <laughs> trying to influence but also put somebody to sleep is kind of contradictory at the same time. But I'll go with it if it monetizes as well. Well, there's a there's a waking there's a waking drop in and there's a and there's a sleeping drop in. There's a time and a place for everything. And we'll put you something know. when they're like totally under and say, "Okay, and call." Back to the uh, origin of the of the drop in CEO moniker. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, my message about the drop in CEO, we as leaders have to actually just listen <laughs> to the things we say sometimes without even realizing we're saying it or what others are saying about us. And so I got the bug about podcasting, meaning being a guest early in uh, starting my own business. And during this interview, they said, tell us what you do. And I said, well, I'm kind of like the drop in CEO. I have this ability to go into organizations or situations, assess the landscape, identify what the business issue is, partner with the C-suite leader and also elevate the people for a lasting impact. So that's a little bit of the details behind helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow. And after I said drop-in CEO and we were done recording, he says, where did that come from? I said, what? He said, the drop-in CEO. I said, I just kind of came out of my mouth. But the origin of that came from a memory that I had while working in a private equity company that was in trouble. They dropped in a new CEO that not only only assessed the landscape, but he rolled up his sleeves and partnered with myself and the director of operations, not only helping us to fix some of the chaos in the organization, but build confidence in us and elevated our capability. And when his work was done, the private equity company pulled him out and stuck in another CEO that would help us to go IPO. But I distinctly remember how he made me feel. And it resonated such that that's how I act and behave to not only fix issues, but also elevate the people in the process. And it was five months before I actually embraced that. He had said it was brilliant. I said, oh, no, I'm not the drop-in CEO. I've never been a CEO of a company. I call myself a founder of my Illumination Partners entity. But then I said, wait a second, I've got to own that because that's how I operate. That's what I said. He said it was brilliant. I tried it on other people and they said, oh my God, that is so unique and so appropriate to who you are and differentiates me from being a consultant. <laughs>
which is a bad word sometimes, but it's that, and it makes me different than all the rest, rather than chasing everybody else. I'm off in my own corner, raising my flag, saying I'm the drop-in CEO, and I'm here to support you. I owned it and started a podcast, <laughs> the drop-in CEO podcast. And then every uh, artifact after that goes back to that particular brand message. Well, the, the, the thing with, with this is that it's very... It's very specific to your personality. I just know from from my experience observing these things and having colleagues in CEO positions that when a when a consultant comes in, there's a certain skepticism that they're going to understand this particular infrastructure. They're going to be like, well, what do they know about X or what do they know about? And even if they do, what do they know about our particular quirks and our inter office, you know, issues and our chain of command things. So how do you put people at ease when you, when you, when you drop in? Is there, so, well, is there a, a, a process that you go through? Yeah, it's um, deer in the headlight <laughs> when I first mm -hmm. go in because I don't know the people their culture, their past, and the unique technology. But I write about this in my book, The CEO's Come, so often people jump or drive, dive into organizations and they immediately go after people, process, tools, et cetera. We're gonna do X, Y, and Z. And I find that um, by asking a lot of questions and just listening and then looking at their operations and what they do, I quickly draw parallels to my past experience of what I've also seen in other operations. And through a dialogue of say, uh, well, this is what I called it at my old uh, experience and you call it this, help me to understand. I'm constantly iterating with them and starting to assimilate their language by listening, asking questions and almost instantaneously sounding like I've worked with them for a while. It's like a chame chameleon effect. Again, it's not a trick. But it's me trying to, I, the responsibility is on me to learn them, their culture, their process, their language, and then be trusted. And then we start going deeper and bring in my experience and share with them my observations about what I think is missing and what the gaps are. So it's that trust, but a lot of listening and being that chameleon to be and act like I've been part of their organization for a long time. That fascinates me because... It's very similar to the way I operate on the creative side mm -hmm. in that what I learned, what I've, what I noticed about my own interactions with, uh, with my clients was that I had a good ear for their mm -hmm. voice that, yes. that first manifested itself as a kid doing impressions as a comedian, doing voices and characters and wondering why that wasn't enough for me. You know, here I was in the advertising business, I had another side of me that would do stand-up and do these things and i was like why what's missing from the stand-up and i think what it was was that i liked being in the branding environment or the brand uh side of things and then you know feeling like i belong and i think it's it's i totally relate to that that you and it's a totally honest thing and in fact it the more honest it is the better the more the more you probably feel like you've succeeded the more mm -hmm. genuine the connection and the the bond that you that you form so i call that the bobblehead effect when you start 
hearing them and seeing them for who they are and what their challenges are. And one of my superpowers is to be able to reframe what I heard. Again, that comes from that engineering, problem solving, listen to all that chaos and data and trying to distill it down to key messages and bullet points. <laughs> I turn yeah. it around. And when you can reframe what I heard them say even broader than what they actually said, but this is what I feel, this is actually where we should focus our energy. All of a sudden you see their shoulders relax and you start seeing the head bob up and down down, you realize you're making a deep connection. It's like, okay, Deb, <laughs> bingo, I got this one. Now let's keep going. It's it's just something like you said through listening. Maybe I was an introvert. I did a lot of listening and in observation, but now being comfortable enough with my experience, I take those risks and I share with them what I see. And next thing you know, the head goes back and forth up and down. It's like, okay, yeah. I think we can move forward. Yeah, how long are these engagements uh, typically, or is there a typical? Yeah, I mean, the minimum is like three months, and it's one of those things, once they see the value that I can bring, I solve their issue, they wind up getting that certification, they wind up getting through a particular customer crisis, it may start out as three months and then two months later, death. <laughs> can you help us? <laughs> can you help us? And often those individual projects will then go into another three months and then another three months. But I've had some that have been as long as 16 months because while I was working with them and getting them through one crisis, they said, well, what about this place over here? They're having this particular sure. challenge. Can you quote us and go over there? So, uh, you know, the objective is to serve and provide the value and the service and be mission critical. But once they get to see how I operate and how easy it is to operate with me, they start thinking about how else and where else might they have challenges in their business and bring me in. So three months, 16 months, I'll take it. <laughs> right. There's a there's a Mary Poppins element to this, I think, which 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 I can see like you know, in, in marketing courses, I know you're, see, you're writing it down. There is a, there is a Mary Poppins element. There's the idea that, you know, you're here for this very specific thing, you know, yes. in Mary Poppins, they think they're looking for a nanny and they don't expect her to ever leave. But one of the beautiful things about that story is the way that she identifies what the children and the parents need and that it really has much more to do with them understanding one another and coming mm -hmm. together as a family. And that's why she's transient, right? Not that they won't need another nanny or something like that. But the problem was that the nannies were being tormented by the children because the children were being forced to, to accept these nannies as a surrogate for their parents. And they wanted to spend more time with their father and more time with their mother, who were both very wonderful and loving people, but had all these other things that they had going on. And so once Mary poppins and set them straight it's like okay she's on to the next family that needs her um and uh and and that's that's something that comes to mind in a very beautiful way in a lovely way you know for what you do um does it ever chills. happen oh good okay good some of it is chills i always say humor and humanity because without the humanity part funny stuff is only is only funny I'm not, you know, I, I, my area of comedy has never been like disposable comedy. It's always been stuff that makes you think, stuff that I'm a fan of, that makes you think, that resonates with you, that remains with you, but has a, a kind of a spin on it that mm. makes it 
digestible, you're making reality digestible by being able to laugh at things that might otherwise be painful. You know, as um, I will say, laughter is, is very helpful. Yeah. I, as sure. part of building out the brand and business development, I would do a lot of video sharing my insights with the world. As an expert, come see me. I can solve your problems. And I had a mentor say to me, Deb, get over yourself. You're too mm -hmm. stiff. <laughs> Be a little bit of yourself. That's why I'll slip up my words occasionally. I won't go backwards. I'll use my hands a lot. I will be myself. I'll joke at myself. But ever since I changed it and laughed at myself a little bit, um, the messaging is so much stronger. That's great to hear. It's great to hear because I, I, you know, I grew up in, in my, in my mind as I grew up, it was about making light or managing serious things in a, in a funny way to make people happier. That, that seems mm -hmm. like, you know, enough of a worldview to kind of like go with. But as you go into the business world and you become a professional and you're working with clients and people are paying you, it isn't, you know, it's important to distinguish that it's not a joke, right? So mm -hmm. you can't just go in and make jokes about everything. That was never even my instinct once I started getting into the into the professional world. Then it was all of this stuff that you're talking about. You know, you're not taking yourself so seriously. I think you make a, a really, really important point there. Um, so is there is there ever pushback? You know, when you come in and you're here you are, you're taking you're, you're bringing the right personality in, you've got the right tone of voice and everything. Do, do, but they don't they don't have to do what you're what you're suggesting, right? So do you ever see it happen where they resist? I think what uh, people will do in the beginning, just like sometimes humor is a way of deflection. Uh, if they can't um, be in the moment or respond, react, or be a participant, I find that I will also get some form of deflection. Oh, what do you want me to do on top of everything I got to do? I got to do this on top of it. And so that is what has gotten them there in the past. Oh, he's too busy. He can't do this new initiative. I see that game. <laughs> and what I try to do is break through that. I say, fine. So what I do is I meet them at a different time. I'll meet them where they work. I'll come out into the production environment. I'll continue the conversation. I'll start commiserating with them. Oh, I see what you have to do, what you have to deal with. You have a lot of work. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about it. I start forgetting about what I wanted to get from them and start seeking to understand the environment that they're in. And rather than making my suggestions something on top of what they uh, have to do, because that's how they've gotten away with it for so long, I talk about how it might be able to help them or ask them, how do you think this thing might help you? Would it give you some more time, less, you know, more hours? hours to be with your family. I just find a way to get through to them and just start conversation and get them away from uh, this is more work, but something that can actually um, give them more time back. So it, yeah. it is it is a process. It's trying to identify the gap. It's trying to connect with them about, hey, do they play sports? Do they watch their grandkids? You just start schmoozing it up a little bit. You got to break through and make those human connections. And then you can give them a little ask and a little ask. And, and support them. Don't just ask them to do it. Can I do it with you? Can I show you? <laughs> let's let's do this yeah. together. And uh, that's how I get through those deflections and reduce the resistance. That's awesome. Because the, the human element is the other, that's the other key, I guess, mm -hmm. is that what do they really, really want? 
you know, do they want this merger to go through or this thing to happen or that? But what do they really want? They really, the bottom line that everybody talks about, especially coming out of the pandemic and going through all of the stuff we go through in this world, you know, and I talk about a lot of that stuff on my other podcast. Like we talked about Truth Tastes Funny and the, 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 the fact that people are dealing with trauma. They're dealing with real life. So there isn't a separation anymore, I think, between work and life for most people. Most people in any job, they don't have to be in the C-suite to have a, a personal uh, relationship with their job where they want something out of it that isn't just, isn't just dollars and cents. So the, it's not on my website, but the sub-theme that supports helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate challenges with confidence is the other tagline that I actually developed a long time ago while I was still in corporate, and it fell upon corporate ears and they didn't like it. But I said, really, mm. the ultimate outcome, the work that we're trying to do, whether it's in quality or operational excellence, making it better, faster, cheaper, safer, is ultimately, we want to help people be able to spend more time doing the things that they love to do, whether it's with family, friends, community, doing the activities they want. Now, that's not something I can sell in corporate, but if you then start to connect with people on that level, because the other thing was a little bit corporate-like, helping C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow, but all I want to do is help you so you don't have to work as hard, get out of here a few hours sooner, so you can be able to go to that baseball game, enjoy your grandkids or something. That really is the messaging that you need to bring it down to in order to be able to move things forward. Is that in your messaging anywhere what you just what the way you just said that that almost those exact phrase so all ding, i want to really ding, do ding 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 yeah. ding it is probably comes out of my mouth all the time it is probably not anywhere in my copy on my bio on my website yeah. or anything like that um it just comes out of my mouth you hit on something there well well you said <laughs> you wanted to to noodle around a little bit with your your brand and your offer and it's it's funny because you know when i listen to you speak it's it's you're 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 so eloquent and you're you you know you and like we've talked about you have that soothing voice and you have all the experience to back it up so all of that works but that but i was also really struck by that phrase that you just put out there that's all i just think that um while while there are you know to the to the conversation about humor and stuff there are there are plenty of things we could talk about that are humorous in their scenarios you know mm -hmm. um you know the mary poppins analogy which Love is it. humorous Love but it. then circles back around to be sweet um and to be very genuine it also that also may at some point be the segue that you need you know, because if you set it up with um, with all of the lines that you had been using and then you segue into like a Mary Poppins analogy and then that leaves people with that kind of warm and fuzzy feeling. They're kind of primed then for that warm and fuzzy feeling. And then you circle back around to all I really want to do is, you know, that. You so know, that's a if I could just jump in here, because sure. where that connects with me is somebody I was just networking with said something about, like, you know, your offers seem almost threatening. 
And I was like, what? They said, well, you've got a big offer. You'll come into an organization, partner with a C-suite leader. And one, either they think that you're going to maybe take their job, or two, it's a big ticket item. Might you do something a little bit less threatening? Give people a sample of what that Mary Poppins is like. Um, and, and at first, I took offense to it. You know, I don't come off as threatening. On the other hand, it's somebody else's perception is their reality. So to your point, depending on the situation, yes, I have a brand, but might I grease the skids or where appropriate, soften it just a little bit, not to be weak, but bring it to kind of more of a human element. Well, this is what it really translates into. It's helping people to be able to just spend more time doing the things they want to. Isn't that something worth investing in? So I get yeah. it. Yeah. I love that. I love hearing that come from you. And that's, I think, what that's that's what, what makes me feel good about what we're talking about and what I hope our, our listeners can, you know, also obviously extract from that is that kindness is not a weakness. Humanity is not a hindrance. You know, the 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 fact that we're all a little suspicious, we're all a little protective and I totally get it. We've all been burned by one thing or another. You don't get far in life without falling down, getting knocked down, getting up, push, shove, learning how to defend yourself and protect yourself. So we all get here through this process, right? It isn't without scratches and bumps and bruises, but the, the good stuff that's in people, the desire to help isn't... Uh, isn't fake you know it's it's there and we can usually suss those things out and i think that uh that with your story and your offering that that like that leaves me with a good feeling you know like this this exchange that we had you know much more so than some hysterical idea would if 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 it you know, and that doesn't mean that's not to say like to use your your word hairbraid, which you had shared with me before when you were saying I love I'm not I'm not opposed to hairbrained ideas because hairbrained ideas are sometimes you know the genius we're we're looking for in ourselves. You know, this is crazy. This may be crazy, but you know. Well, I'm certainly open to it. Again, it, it sounds like, and I have to sound confident when I engage with clients, when people listen to this, but honestly, I am struggling. I know I have a good brand. I know what my value is, but I am looking for any and any opportunity or any way to say, Deb, did you ever think of this? And then I'll say, oh, yes, I have been, but I'm not sure how. Well, let's talk about it. Or, Deb, do you realize you could make an impact over here? Shoot, I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> Bust this thing open here. I would love to know. Yeah, yeah we never – look, look, we there's, there's a wonderful magical thing called perspective, okay. which is that uh, we – the magic of it is that no matter how good we are at our job – we can't really cut our own hair, you know? We can't really, you know, we could be the best stylist in the world, and if we try to cut our own hair, I, I just don't see how it's going to be as good as the haircut we give someone else. And I think that, you know, we have to uh, open ourselves up to whatever you want to call it, uh, new ideas, constructive criticism, the whole gamut, mm -hmm. the whole gamut of coaching, mentoring, consulting, 
the beauty of that profession is that people need it often more than they realize, but also sometimes we totally know full well we can't crack this alone. We can't do this alone and we and we shouldn't. And there are there are people who can help us in every stage. You know, there are uh, physical fitness trainers, there are mental health uh, professionals, there are and and my attitude over the, over the last you know few years of what we've been going through, what I've come out with is we should avail ourselves of the best of everything available to us. You know, that's that's what I think is that there there is there are those things for us no matter who we are, and part of it for you also, Deb, is that you want to find the clients that are going to benefit most from working with you. Um, and um, one of the things that I, that I don't like hearing is I'm not for everyone. I don't think any of us are for everyone. If you're for everyone, you're for, you're for no one. Like, 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 like if, you're, if, if, if we're all so homogeneous that, that anybody is for all of us, I think that's, that's silly. But you are for, for someone, you know, and you want that someone to see that when they are exposed to you. And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the technical area for which you have your 20, 30 years of experience. It's about right. my mind melding, understanding them, building that trust to say, I think you understand me. That's the first thing that we need to do. Uh, and then yeah. we'll just figure out the technical stuff later. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, the, and, the, and, the, and on the level that, that you're speaking to, they really, the reason why I like like working with founders, CEOs, C-suite executives is because they have really gotten to the point where they don't have a lot of uh, taste for, you know, BS and wasting time mm. and uh, plate spinning. You know, they they want the they want the real talk most of the time. You have way more experience than I do on that front but i think they want the real talk because uh any 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 sugar coating is going to cost them time and money no i know and that is one of the th i get that i so get that because yeah. while i am a talker and i can embellish and enrich and paint a story etc i will tell you when talking with the c-suite and also from my lean methodology tell them what you want in the first sentence and then enrich it with why do I need this get to the point get the business done and then we can talk afterwards and get to know more about family so it, it may seem shallow um, but we did need to be very concise with when we talk to the c-suite leaders but um, I so get that no it's not it's not shallow at all yeah. it's the, the brevity is brevity isn't shallow brevity Brevity is powerful. Think about it this way. If if you have a means of crossing a, uh, a chasm with with one with one plank, right? There's a way that you can just lay a plank over this chasm and 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 people will be able to walk fearlessly across it. That's way more valuable than someone who comes to you with a bunch of plans and says, look, I have, you know, all of these schematics for this incredible device that will allow us to cross over from 
from this one thing to this other thing. And there's only, it will take 16 months and a hundred billion dollars, but we're going to, we're going to build this thing. That's not as exciting as someone saying, Oh, I, I can get you from here to there. I can mm-hmm. get you from here to there. And then the, the founder or the CEO says, okay, how? And you go, it's really, it's really simple. But the trick is like you, like me, we have to have that special sauce about us mm-hmm. that makes us the high level and the high uh, challenge acrobat, so to speak. But that's okay. We're that. We're doing that stuff. That's what we like to do, those kinds of uh, feats, you know. But for you know, them, it's not hard. You know, and Hirsch, we need more people like you because I oh. do meet a lot of C-suite leaders. I'll interview them on my podcast. I'll be doing some business development. And I keep saying, but like, what makes you special? What's unique about your brand? What's unique about your service? And they'll start going into all the technical stuff or their years of experience. Yeah. I don't think people really ever take the time to just say, what am I really good at? What makes me different? What have people said about my brand that they're not saying about the competition? I don't. C-suite leaders just need to take a pause. You, you are the brand. It's not your marketing department putting all this stuff about their new products and services and how we're going to help the industry. You need to have your own personal brand or one that aligns because that's what's going to make you memorable. I network with so many people, and if I can't pick up on that nugget of what makes them so special and I'll just do the ooh factor, I'll start, ooh, ooh right. that's beautiful. Do you realize you just said that? Um, if a leader yeah. can't do that, then what's going to make them special, memorable, and make people want to buy from you? There's all kinds of people selling the same stuff that you are so uh, i call that my ooh factor and you i know do that you actually even helped me a little bit here as well <laughs> oh cool yeah. thank you deb yeah likewise i i you you know the joy the joy for me is that we are all individuals and there are no cookie cutter people and even people who feel like they might be or they might find themselves in that you know I wonder, I wonder if sometimes you come across uh, someone in that suite who confides to you and says, you know what, I, to tell you the truth, I just have to get out of here. I don't think this is right for me. Or maybe you even see it and they don't see it. That they, that, it, you know, I wonder if it gets to that point and how you might, how you might deal with that if it did. I actually said it to one C-suite leader whereby a person on their team was deflecting, was just, they couldn't change how they operated. We needed them to do different things. And with respect to the person I was speaking to and respect for that human, I simply said, there's nothing wrong with that person, but it's the role that has outgrown them. And it was respectful and truthful and kind that the environment changed, not the person. And so we had to explore, could that person grow into that new environment? Or might we celebrate their skills and put them someplace where they can continue to add value, but bring in different talent or somebody that could supplement it? Um, I so believe in being direct and frank. They are looking for us to be kind, respectful, and tell them what we say, what we see and what we feel. Yeah. Well, if, if, every, if, if every kind of consultant... Uh, on this level or in any situation had the um, the compassion empathy and and uh, sensibilities that you have 
I think that experience would be would be pretty incredible for uh, for companies. But I think it's I think it's rare. I think that is that is your you know your acumen in these fields is so easy to see. You know, it's it's there. You know, you present as a as a as a professional person who's been in the corporate world mm -hmm. and understands it. And if anything, you know, the drawback might be that sometimes people feel threatened by it. But it's all of that stuff on the other side of you that you bring to this that really, really makes you stand out because it's those things that they have to and they have to see it right away. That's the only tweak that I would say in your brand is that they have to see that right away. They have to get that somehow right up front so that they're immediately amazed at how at ease they are and that they, they don't have to do that work themselves, you know, of getting comfortable with who you are. Because it's there. So it's not about fabricating or, you know, making up anything. It's about that that thing really coming across. I think that's the that's the only thing that I can imagine you could you could really work on. Well, I sincerely appreciate it again. I will take any tweak I can get, prod, poke, whatever, because again, one, you have to be confident in who you are, how you provided value. I've got enough history, but there's so many people out there I haven't yet connected with. So if I could just make a minor course correction to be able to be seen and say, ooh, you're interesting. I want to talk to Deb, the drop-in CEO. She might understand what I'm going through and maybe help me. So appreciate that, Hirsch. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure, Deb. I appreciate your, your being on and being open. And I think that that's, for me anyway, uh, whether, it's a, whether it's on a podcast or in a client, it's, that is the single most important thing, to kind of come to play. You know, people say, I came to play. And the thing I love about that phrase is that it implies seriousness about having fun. And that's, mm. that's all it is. I came to play means now often it's perceived as a competitive thing. But truthfully, they didn't say I came to win. That's a different thing. They said I came to play. And I love that feeling. Mm. So thank you for bringing that. Thank you for bringing that to Yes Brand. Oh, well, it was my pleasure answering your questions, not having a list of questions that uh, prepare because I, I, I appreciate being in the moment. You keep me on my toes. And again, you never know where we might go. Um, CEO guided meditations, Mary Poppins effect. I'll play with that. All right. If you liked the show. Yes. And it worked for you. Yes. And subscribe and leave a yes, five star review. Yes. Tell all your friends, yes, friend. get your branding here, yes, friend. get your branding here, yes, friend. did I make it clear, yes, friend. get your branding on, yes. before they're gone. Yes.